Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 8. And as we've been going through just the, uh, uh, the book of Kings here, the book of 2 Kings, we, we actually came to a portion now of speaking on the various kings. And where we find ourselves this evening is speaking now of another king in Judah, and his name is Ahaziah. And as we look at Ahaziah, we're, gonna, we're just going to see things, we're going to learn things about just powerful influences that, that we can have in our lives. And as we see this, as we're going to look and examine his life, we're going to see just the things that we can learn from, because the Word of God tells us that it is through the examples of, of these men and women that live that we can learn from them, that we can learn from their ways and, and learn things to do and things not to do. And so uh, with that, you know, I do want to just remind you of what we covered last week. We, we examined his father, and, and this is his son that we're looking at now. We, we examined his father last week, and we saw how he had brought shame to his, to his name. We saw that how people remembered him and how they're going to remember him throughout eternity. And it made us think about how will people remember us throughout eternity? What are our children going to say about us? And, you know, as we looked at King Jehoram, that was the one that we examined last week, the father of King Ahaziah. He actually had a godly example of a father. His name was King Jehoshaphat. And the Bible tells us about King Jehoshaphat that he sought and walked in the ways of the Lord. But as we saw his son, King Jehoram, he allowed himself to be influenced by his wife, Athaliah, who was the daughter of King Ahab and the daughter of Jezebel. And the sad thing about it all was that he could have influenced her in the ways of the Lord, but he allowed her to influence him. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to examine, as I mentioned, his son. And we know that the son of King Jehoram, he, he walks in the same footsteps of his dad and again allowing people to influence him instead of influencing others and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at his life and then at the end we're going to actually just talk about the powerful influences that we have you know what these powerful influences that come in our lives and so we'll look at them as we as we end uh once we conclude the life of Ahaziah that way we can walk away with just a reminder of, of these people that will influence us. And so with that, let's go ahead and read in 2 Kings chapter 8, beginning in verse 25. We're going to read through verse 29, and, and then we'll expound on those verses. It says here in verse 25, it says, In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, the king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. Now he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth, Gilead, and the Syrians wounded Joram. King, then King Joram went back to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had inflicted on him at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria, and Ahaziah, the son of 
Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jeram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. You know, as I read this, I, you know, it can be very confusing with all of these names, but I pray that you would all just, just follow these, uh, these uh, follow the storyline and, and the various characters that we have here. And so as we look into these verses, I, I want to focus on the first three verses, which, again, let's talk about. Let's read it again, and we'll talk about this. It says, In the twelfth year of Jeram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel, and he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. You know, as we read this, right, the reason I repeat this is because I just want to give you some, some background information because what we see here is that King Ahaziah, you know what, he walked, not, he, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. And as we look at this, right, when we look at his father, King Jehoram, he also had an evil reign. And just a reminder that, you know what, that for us as, as, as fathers and for you as, as children and those that will be fathers and mothers, you have a, a, a deep influence. You are the most influential person in your child's life. Remember that. As a parent, you are the most influential person in your child's life. They will look at you and they will examine your life. And most of the time, they will imitate your life. So if you walk appropriately, they will walk appropriately. They will walk righteously. They will walk in holiness. If you walk in evil, then they will also walk in evil. There's some times where it doesn't work out that way, like King Jehoshaphat. And we had his son, King Jehoram. King Jehoshaphat walked in the ways of the Lord, but then you had his son that didn't walk in those ways. Why? Because he allowed evil influence to sway him. But as we look at this, right, let's talk about these things. Just to give you some ideas or some insight as to why King Ahaziah became king over Israel. When King Jehoram, or Jehoram became king over Judah, what happened was that because he walked not in the ways of the Lord, but he, his ways were evil, that the Lord brought affliction into King Jehoram's life and his family. And when we look at 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 16 and 17, it tells us that the Lord stirred up the Philistines and the Arabians to attack Judah. And because he walked, or because he had an evil reign, he allowed these nations to come in and they took the sons and the wives of King Jehoram. The only one that was left was, as it says there in Second Chronicle, or First Chronicles 21, 16, and 17, that Jehoahaz was the only one that survived. This was actually another name for Ahaziah. And so Ahaziah is the only survivor when it came to the children of, of King Jehoram. And so after the death of his father, King Ahaziah tells us that he became king when he was 22 years old. And the sad thing was that he only reigned for one year. Some may say, why so short? You know what? Only God knows these things. But one thing that we know in his word, and according to Daniel 2.21, it tells us that he removes kings and he raises up kings. 
Just think of that. God is in complete control when it comes to the nations. He raises up kings to do his will, and he brings down kings according to his will. And sometimes we may say, well, what about these evil kings? Well, they still accomplish the will of God. He's not the one that's directing them to do evil, for that is their sinful nature. But what he does is he turns these things for good. And we know that he has a plan and a purpose for these things. And we know one thing is that he's the one that is accomplishing his will in this world. And so as we look at King Ahaziah, there were powerful influences that led him also to walk in the ways that he did. And those we'll talk about in a few, but one of the things that we were also, or one of the people that we were introduced here to was his mother, Athaliah. And as it says there, she was the granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. And she was also the daughter of King Ahab. So she was a, the granddaughter of Omri of Israel and the daughter of King Ahab of Israel. So we have the daughter of one of the kings of Israel marrying the king of Judah. And so this was the wife of King Jehoram, the king of Judah. And so this was actually the mother of now King Ahaziah. And I hope I'm not confusing you with these names, but I just want to reveal to you who this person is. See, you have Judah and Israel united by family ties. And we know that the kings of Israel were all what? They were all bad kings. And so what you have here is a reminder of God's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, where it tells us that bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, we're going to be influenced by the people that we hang out with. And again, he married somebody that was, you know what, that came from King Ahab. And instead of influencing her, he became the one that was influenced. And this is what we see. We, we see this at, that as we see uh, just these things that are going on, these, these things that happen with King Jehoram. I mean, you see, this is a mother, King or Queen, or I should say Athaliah, would be, of course, uh, the mother of King Ahaziah. As it says in verse 27, it summarizes the reign of King Ahaziah. It says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord just like the house of King Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord. In other words, the King Ahaziah and King Ahab were identical in their reign. They were evil. And it reminds us that, the, that Ahab was his father-in-law. See, the Bible wants to make sure that we knew that there was a connection between the two, between King Ahab and King Ahaziah. They both did evil, and there was one denominator with both of them. And I want to mention this to you. We know that they had evil hearts, but there was a powerful influence. Why they, were, why they had an evil reign, it was the same common denominator. And again, we, we know that this denominator would have been just Ahab and, and, of course, his daughter. And so we see that this is what's going on here. And so verse 28 tells us, Now he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead and the Syrians wounded Joram. Then King Joram went back to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had inflicted on him at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. You see here, again, uh, 
just an episode in the life of King Ahaziah. And this episode is here for a reason. See, what happened was King Ahaziah, he joins his uncle, who is now the king of Israel. This is the son of King Ahab. He's King Joram. King Joram is actually battling the king of Syria. And so we're given some insight on the battle that the king of Israel, which was King Joram, he's wounded in the battle. And so what does he do? He returns to Jezreel to recover. And when he returns to Jezreel, so does King, uh, king Ahaziah, the king of Judah. He goes and visits him in Jezreel. And why are these details here? Because it just ends here. I want, to remind, I want to let you know that what the reader is letting us know is he's really leading up to the death of King Ahaziah. Remember, he was only alive for one year. And when we go into 2 Kings chapter 9, it actually leads up to the death of King Ahaziah. Remember, he only lived one year. And next week, what we're going to do is we're going to go into all of these details. We're going to go into the details as to, you know what, as to what this chapter tells us, it, it, it reveals this man named Jehu, who was a commander of, 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 of the army of Israel. And what I want to do is I'm only going to quickly summarize this because it sort of leads up to the death of King Ahaziah. What it's about, it, it reveals this, and this is a quick summary. Remember, it's a very quick summary, but then we're going to focus on, on a few verses, and those are the ones that we're going we're to talk about in just a few. But the prophet Elisha, what the prophet Elijah does is he sends one of his students, a son of the prophets, to anoint Jehu now as king of Israel. Okay, and so again, there is a king already. His name is King Joram. He's the one that got wounded in the battle. Remember, he's the son of King Ahab and he's still alive. But Jehu's a commander of Joram's army, the king of Israel. And so Elisha sends the prophet to anoint him, to anoint him as king. And so that's exactly what he does. He goes and anoints him as king, even though there's King Joram that's still king over Israel. Elisha, the prophet of God, sends a prophet to anoint Jehu, now the commander of the army of Israel, to become king. And again, this is a fulfillment of prophecy because, see, what happens is that uh, Jehu, as soon as he realizes that he is now the king of Israel, he goes and he's going to kill King Joram. And so this is given to us in 1 Kings 21, 22, where the Lord prophesied and he promised that all the children of Ahab would be completely eliminated. They would be killed. They would be off the face of the earth. And this is a fulfillment of all of that. But as I just shared with you, we would go into just now a certain portion of of, of these scriptures. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 9, beginning in verse 21. And in verse 21, as we look at that, we're going to now talk about these few verses that are in here, just so that we have insight as to King Ahaziah. Remember, we're talking about this King Ahaziah who was greatly influenced, who had powerful, uh, powerful, powerful influences in his life. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 21, it says, Then Joram said, Make ready. And his chariot was made ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot. And they went out to meet Jehu and met him on the property of Naboth, the Jezreelite. What's happening here is, remember I mentioned to you that King Ahaziah, he went to visit King Joram, who was, you know what, he got wounded. 
And so when he goes and visits him, you have the commander, Jehu, the commander of the army. He goes, he finds out where King Joram is. And so he goes there. And little did he know that the king of Judah was also there with King, King Ahaziah there was also there with the king of Israel. And so when he goes to kill King Joram of Israel, this is what you have here. They see, they, they, they tell the king, hey, Jehu, your commander's here to see you. And so what ends up happening is that both kings go out to meet Jehu. And so that's what we have here. And let's keep reading in verse 22. It says, now it happened that when Joram saw Jehu, that he said, is it peace, Jehu? So he's, you know what, there's something that, you know what he felt in his heart? He says, are you coming in peace, Jehu? And so he answered, what peace, as long as the harlotries of your mother, Jezebel, remember, King Joram of Israel, his mother was Jezebel and his father was King Ahab. And her witchcraft are so many. And as soon as he said that, King Joram turned around and fled and said to Ahaziah, the king of Judah, treachery, Ahaziah. Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Jehoram between his arms. And the arrow came out at his heart and he sank down in his chariot. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, his captain, pick him up and throw him into the track of the field of Nabath, the Jezreelite. For remember when you and I were riding together behind Ahab, his father, that the Lord laid his burden upon him. And so he's killed. They killed the king. I mean, Jehu killed the king. He, he pulled out his bow and arrow and he, and he shot him down. And then in, as, as, as we're going to talk about this next week, or in two weeks, I should say, we're going to talk about just the fulfillment of all prophecy, of all the promises that God had given. But in verse 26, it goes on to read, Surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, says the Lord, and I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now therefore take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. So what we have here is just a fulfillment of prophecy. Remember, Jehu is repeating the words that the Lord had spoken. And then verse 27, now we're going to look at the death of, ah of King Ahaziah. It says in verse 27, but when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, remember, he was with him, he fled by the road to Beth Hagan. And so, of course, he sees the uh, the execution, he sees the murder of the king of Israel. So he sees that when that happens, he also takes off. He flees. But Jehu pursued him and said, shoot him also in his chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Ibliam. Ibliam. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Israel. You know, when you look at this, it's a sad thing. You know what? This king Ahaziah, remember, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I want to remind you of this, is that when you're hanging out with people that are bad influences over your life, guess what? You're always going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, wherever that may be. Remember that whoever they are, you will end up being at the wrong place at the wrong time. How many of you have ever experienced that? You know these bad influences, right? 
And yet you hang out with them because, you, again, you've been misled by the enemy or you're ignorant to their ways and you're ignorant to his ways that all he wants to do is destroy you and you find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And this is what the scriptures tell us, right? Wrong company will lead you to the wrong places. According to Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, a companion of fools will be destroyed. The companion of fools will be destroyed. That means that they're gonna lead you to these wrong places, you will be there at the wrong time and you will see your life being destroyed. And if it's not there, it's gonna be somewhere else. See, and this comes with hanging out with people either of the world and sadly enough, it also happens when you hang out with carnal Christians. And what do I mean by carnal Christians? Christians that aren't following the Lord. Christians that are still walking in the flesh. And what they do is they influence you to do the things that you shouldn't do and to be in the places that you shouldn't be, whether it's be people of the world or carnal Christians. Whoever they are, they will always mislead you. See, it's important for us that we realize this, right? If we are with those that are compromisers, that we ourselves will also compromise. See, because it's, it just happens, right? It spills over. Unless you make a stand, and when you make a stand, usually these people that are carnal Christians or worldly people, they're not going to want to be around you. Why? Because, you, you know what? You're, you're, you're convicting them of their sin. And they don't want their sin to be seen, right? But when you make a stand and say, you know what? I'm not going to do what you want to do. I'm not going to be where you want me to be. Or I'm not going to go where you want me to go. See, it's important for us that, that we take these stands. Otherwise, we're going to be like we have here, King Ahaziah, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what happened to him? He was destroyed. He was killed off. What was the cause of King Ahaziah's downfall? We don't really get it here, but we do get it in 2 Chronicles that gives us the additional details that we need about King Ahaziah to talk about what we're talking about now. So open your Bibles or turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 22. And as you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 1 through 9 actually focus on his life. And a lot of the things that we read will be repeated here. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the first four verses. And as we focus on these four verses, it really points out the powerful influences that led Ahaziah astray. And so let's go ahead and read. We're going to read the first two verses, and, and I'll give you some insight on these two. It says there in verse 1 in Second Chronicles chapter 22, it says, And the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place. For the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. And Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. And let's stop here. Again, we see the same thing, right? We see the fact that, you know what, that all the, 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 the brothers of King, uh, the brothers of, of, King, uh, 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 of King Ahaziah, they were all killed. Remember, his father was King Jehoram. And remember, we just read earlier that the Lord had moved the Philistines and the Arabians to go in and to conquer him because of his evil reign. And so they took the sons and the daughters. 
and, and his wives. And so the only one that survived was King Ahaziah. And King Ahaziah, because he was the one remaining, they made him king over Judah. And so we're also told there, and I want to clarify this because it's important, because we can easily say that while the Bible says here that Ahaziah was 42 years old. But when we read in 2 Kings 8.26, it says that he was 22 years old. You know, why is, what, what is it? I mean, is there an error here? I want you to know that when we look at this, yeah, there is an error. It's not an error in the Bible. It's the error in whoever copied this, right? The copies, the ones that, 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 that translated this Bible, that transcribed this Bible, that they wrote down the wrong age. And the reason it's wrong, because remember this, King Jehoram, when we look at his age, he became king when he was 32 years old, and he only reigned eight years, so he only lived to be 40 years old. He's not going to have a son that's 42 years old with King Ahaziah. So the 22 year old, years of age that was revealed to us in 2 Kings, that is accurate, and the one that copied this, actually, instead of writing 22, he wrote 42 years. So we know that this is just, again, a copy, the one that copied an error that he did here. And so we have that written down first, but that is an error. And I wanted to bring that to your attention. It's not, that wasn't in the original uh, manuscript. That, of course, would have been a, a copy error. And so let's read in verse 3 and 4. And these are the ones that we're going to focus on. Beginning in verse 3, it says, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. We're talking about King Ahaziah, the king of Judah. It says, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. There you go. Listen to that. Let me repeat that. King Ahaziah walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. And the house of Ahab was king of, this was Israel. And yet we're talking about the king of Judah. Remember, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. And then as we keep reading in verse 4, it says, Therefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father, to his destruction. And as it goes on to say, And he followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead. And you know what? We don't need to go further. I want to share this with you. When we look at King Ahaziah, he walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. Why? Why did he walk in the ways of the house of Ahab? One reason, his mother. His mother. It tells us there that his mother, as it says there, his mother advised him to do wickedly. Can you believe that? His mother advised him to do wickedly. His mother was his chief counselor, her own son. But I want to share this with you. When it comes to this mother, we're going to read about her in a couple of weeks. Did you know that when Jehu became king, or when he got rid of actually, um, uh, I'm sorry, when King Ahaziah, let me retract that, when King Ahaziah dies, do you know, because there's no one else left to become king, you know who becomes queen? Athaliah. She becomes king. And you know what she did? To, uh, she becomes queen. You know what she did to become queen? She killed all the sons of King Ahaziah. This woman was evil. And she was just power hungry. 
But as we see here, right, this woman was his chief counselor. This is the one that influenced him, and she's the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And not only that, but the Bible also tells us that the counselors of his father became King Ahaziah's counselors. So the counselors of King Jehoram became the counselors of King Ahaziah. Let me remind you of one thing. People will come into your lives because we live in this world. And we have people that come into our lives. And remember this, they are either going to influence you to do good or to do bad. They're either going to lead you or mislead you. And let me share this with you. People can become powerful influences over your lives. If you're not careful, they will either be our ruin or our improvement. Remember that. They will be your ruin or your improvement. And this is one thing that we must realize is that this is the effect that people can have upon us. And so this is why you got to choose your friends and your, your advisors and your counselors wisely. It doesn't matter if it's family. It doesn't matter if they're friends. It doesn't matter if they're coworkers. It doesn't matter if they're Christians because some Christians that are carnal will mislead you. And you got to be careful. You always got to look at their life. See, because one thing that we can always be deceived by is what people say instead of what people do. See, we are such people that are influenced by what we hear. Instead of allowing us to see their actions and to judge by their actions, to see whether they're good for us or not. Remember that. And the reason we sh I share this with you is because I'm here to protect you. Because I can easily see, uh, what can easily happen is that people will lead you off the cliff. And they do that. And because of your ignorance or because of, of being deceived or because of your being blinded to them, they will destroy you. I want to talk about Powerful influences. Remember, I, we talked about the life of, Ahaz, of Ahaziah, King Ahaziah. We saw the influences that he had, and he listened to these evil influences. So I want to talk about powerful influences in our lives. And I share this with you because it's important for us to realize this. The four powerful influences that I want to talk about, the first one is this, people. Okay, people. That's the first. We've been talking about people here, but we're going to lead to other things. People. And people include both spiritual and physical. Okay, I'm sorry. People include, I'm talking about family here. When we look at family, right, I want you to know that family includes both physical and spiritual family. Okay, because there's some that are carnal Christians that they're going to move you to sin. And I want you to know that these can be, again, in the name of, you know what, I'm a Christian. I go to church. But let me remind you, if they are influence you, let's talk about now relationships. If you are in a relationship with somebody that is influencing you to have sex with them, you think they're a good influence for you? If you're not married to them? Remember when they're pushing you to do these things and they call themselves Christians? Remember, we got to be careful. You know what? And, and yes, our emotions are deceiving. We're, we're so involved with them that we allow our emotions to take the best of us instead of making us stand and saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that with you. I want to please the Lord. I don't want to do wickedness against him. You know what? It's so important when we have people of the world, right? 
Even our physical families, we saw here the mother that was influencing his son to do evil. He knew what was right. How did he know what was right? Because of his grandfather, Jehoshaphat. He knew what to do. Look at what the Bible says about family or friends that are, you know what, that are, that are bad influences. And this would include co-workers. It says, if your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom or your friend who is as your own soul secretly entices you saying, let us go, let us serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from the one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall you or I pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Don't fall into these influences. You know what? There are so many people that are misled you know what? I have seen it time and time again. Guys coming into this church, and all they're here is to, is to go after the girls that are in this, in this church. And then they take them, and, and they do things to them. And you know what? And then guess what? You see both of them not where they need to be. You know what? You see family members influencing other family members to do things that they shouldn't do. And what happens? You're headed on the road to destruction. This is why we have here. Even the word of God is saying, don't let your brothers, your sisters, don't let family members, don't let anybody influence you to do evil. This is what we got to be careful about. See, these are the things that, that the word of God is reminding us today. You know what? Walk away from those relationships. If they truly love you, remember, Love doesn't want to destroy, but love wants to build up. It wants to edify, and we got to remember that. See, if somebody is, is wanting to influence you to do drugs as Christians or to party with them or to have sex with them, we know we can expect that from the world, but when it comes to other Christians, do they really want the best for you? Because all they want to do is destroy you because they know that, you know what, that it's just going to snowball. Once you begin to compromise, it leads into more compromise. And it leads into greater sin. Remember that. And that's what we have. And we need to be careful of that. You know, we can also be influenced, you know what, again, by, by the things of this world. You know what we're talking about? You know what? By the people, right? We can also look at this world, the way it influences. Look at what Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 30, verses 1 through 2. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt. Again, Egypt is a picture of what? The world, right? And have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Woe to the rebellious ch children who don't take counsel from me, but they take counsel from the world. See, if you're taking counsel from your friends, remember this. Your friends, they don't have the spiritual mind. They're going to mislead you. If you're taking counsel from your mother or your father who isn't ever at church, are they ever going to lead you the right way? Some will because of their love for you. 
But many times their counsel is going to be what? By the things of this world. The way the world counsels you is the same way that they will counsel you. That's why it's important for us to seek good, godly counsel from somebody that you respect, somebody that you see their walk, how it is. And believe me, there's, I don't want anyone to think, well, you know what, pastors, you know what, he, he wants to make, he, you know what, he's creating division between mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and, and so on. That's not what I'm saying here. Make sure that you listen to their counsel. And you know, you will know for yourself whether that counsel is from the word of God or not. You know whether it's right. Don't go by your emotions. Don't be led by your emotions because your emotions are so deceived. Your emotions are so deceived because of your love for them. It's deceived. Instead of, of seeking counsel from somebody that you, you've seen their walk, they're mature in the Lord. And I'm not talking about the immature Christians. You got to go to the mature Christians. Because if you go to counsel from an immature Christian, they themselves will mislead you. Because they themselves are not mature in the word. And so that's why it's important that these things, that, that we have the word of God reminding us of these things. See, the world it has a powerful influence over us, over the lives of people. And yet, for us as Christians... We got to make sure that, you know what, that we don't follow the ways of the world. Because the ways of the world, what do they do to us? They only destroy us. But the word of God offers us life and it gives us the appropriate counsel that we need. This is why it tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we always examine the counsel, and the influence that come before us. You know what? Always the measuring stick, the barometer is always going to be the Word of God. You know what? Does it align to the Word of God or not? The second influence over our lives is going to be the enemy of our soul. What do I mean by this? How can the enemy of our soul influence us? Remember in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I want to remind you that the enemy, he's not going to come. You know what? He's not going to come and show himself. He's not going to come and say, oh, I'm the devil and this is how I'm going to influence you. That's not what he does. The word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that he transforms himself into an angel of light. And so what does he do? He uses people. He brings people into your lives to lead you astray. Just like King Ahaziah was led astray by his own mother. Let me give you the example that you all know. The wife of a man led her husband astray. Not We know that Athaliah led King Jeroboam, but we also know of the of Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve. Look at what Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 says. Then Adam, then to Adam he the Lord said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife. See, he already had the word of God. But yet he paid attention more to his wife than to the word of God. And this influence caused him to sin. See, when we look at these influences, remember this, when we look at these influences, 
the enemy will use people to influence you. Again, he disguises himself. And believe me, even others that you think that, you know what, no, he wouldn't use them. You always got to be careful because if they're asking you to do something that's contrary to the word of God, we got to be careful about that. See, when it comes to, to friends, if your friends are constantly badgering you and, and pushing you to sin, it's time to cut that relationship off. If you have, you know what, family members that, that are constantly pushing you to do things you shouldn't be doing, you got to refuse it and just be honest with them and just tell them, hey, stop it, cut it out. You know what, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do and I'm not going to do it. As I mentioned to you, people who love you won't ask you to sin. But the enemy somehow creeps in. And this is what he did. He did it with, with Eve. And he did it with Athaliah. Athaliah. And so it's important that we understand this. And we see how the enemy comes in and he's an angel of light. He's, we're going to be deceived. There's two more powerful influences that we have in our lives. And these for sure are good ones. And let me, before I get into the last two, and there are people that are good influences. Let, don't, re, don't, you know, I mentioned it, but I've talked mainly about the negative, but there are, good, there are people that are godly, that are great influences over your lives. Follow their counsel. And they're powerful influences. If you see their walking, you see the, those around them. And, and you know what? You can look at their children. You can look at, 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 at how they live. And it gives you a good example as to the type of influence that person is. If he's influenced his children in the proper way, then guess what? He's going to influence you in the proper way. Or she's going to influence you in the proper way. If you see her children walking in the ways of the Lord, you know that they have great influence over people. Look at leaders, leaders in the churches. You can look at them. And see how they live. You know, let's talk about now these, these next two influences, powerful influences. The next one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a powerful influence over our lives. In John 14, 26, it tells us, but the helper, and I've shared this with you before. Remember, a trans, uh, in the Greek word, the word helper here is parakletos. And it means comforter. It means counselor. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Remember, we have the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God wants to guide you and to teach you and to counsel you and to influence you. All we gotta do is be very sensitive to his leading. See, we have that voice. If you are a child of God, you have that voice speaking to you. There's many times when I hear something Immediately, it's the Holy Spirit. Or where I'm going to do something and I have this, 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 it's not, you can't even hear a voice. You just have like the Spirit of God just speaking to your heart and telling you, don't go there or don't do that or don't follow that. That's the checkpoint that we have. That's that counselor that we have. The Holy Spirit that's speaking to us. He's not going to come out in an audible voice with a big stop sign and say, stop, don't do it. He's going to speak to you. And you know these things. You know these voices. And when you don't listen to the voice and then you do it, you're like, man, I knew something was telling me not to do it. Well, guess who that something was? It wasn't a thing. It was the Holy Spirit. He was telling you, don't do it. Don't hang out with them. Don't go with them. Don't listen to them. Don't open that page. Don't, don't look at those sites. You know what? Don't go there. That's the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the voice that we need to listen to. That's the voice that we need to be that that we need to take heed to. And since we're running out of time, the last powerful influence that we have over our lives is this: the Word of God. The Word of God. That's why in 2 Timothy chapter three verse sixteen it says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does it say that all scripture is given by inspiration of God? The NIV translation gives us the best translation when it comes to this. It is God breathed. In other words, the word of God is the breath of God. This is what we have with us here. And it teaches us the truth. And not only does it teach us the truth, it reveals lies. That's what it means when it talks about reproof. It reveals lies. It corrects us. And it teaches us what's right. So we don't fall into what? Into the lies and the temptation of our flesh, of our emotions. So we don't fall into the lies of the enemy, into the lies of the world. And this is why, you know what? We have our daily portion you know what, to help you to get into the Word of God, to know the Word of God. Remember what the Lord Himself said, we do not live by bread alone, but what do we live by? The Word of God. The Word of God has been given to us so that we can test things, so that we don't fall prey to these things. See, and the Word of God has such a great influence over us. The Word of God will shape you and mold you. That's why the more of the Word of God that you get, you will be shaped and molded by the Word of God. That's why it's so important for us to, to have a daily devotional, to be waking up early in the morning to read. You know what? This is, what, this is God's will for us. He wants us to know the Word of God because when those people come that will influence you, when the world is influencing you, when the enemy is influencing, when family is influencing you, when these things are coming against you, you can always go back to the Word of God and say, you know what? The Word of God says this, and I'm not going to do that. And when you begin to do the Word of God, you see your life being transformed. See, that's what's so amazing about the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is alive. Because it lives in us. It moves us. It shapes us. It molds us. It transforms us. And this is why we give you the Word of God. This is why we as a church focus on the Word of God. This is why we go verse by verse. This is why we do what we do so that you can get the whole counsel of God. This is why we, we are focused on discipleship, because we want you to grow in the Word of God. We want you to become mature. We want you to be strong in the Lord. We want you to know the Word of God. And when we know the Word of God, you will see how your life aligns itself with the Word of God and how there's so much fruit in your life. You know, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, powerful influences in our lives. And we know one thing, that the Lord himself is a wonderful counselor, isn't he? And we know that he became flesh. And we know that the word became flesh. Remember, this is who he is. Everything you read in here is who he is. This is why we have the word of God, to know God. You know God when you know the word of God. You want to know God intimately? It's the word of God. People that don't know God, it's because they don't know the word of God. But God gave us his word to know him personally, to know his will, to know who he is. And this is why you're taught the word of God. This is why he wants you to read the word of God, so you know who he is. Amen?
Let's pray.